Hi, this is Joel Scrivener, pastor of Oaks Church in McKinney, Texas. And I wanted to say thank you so much for listening, sharing, and supporting our podcast. I know that today's message is going to inspire you, challenge you, and empower you to fearlessly follow Jesus like never before. Now, let's check out today's message. Good to be with you. Before I get into my message, I need to do this. The Bible says give honor to whom honor is due. And uh, Pastor Joel and Pastor Jen, I know she's probably watching online. Blakely's got a volleyball game. Um, I just want to honor you as pastors and what you've meant to my family since we've moved here. How loving, welcoming, uh, just making us a part of your house. And uh, we just honor you as pastors. And I also want to honor you as a friend. Uh, a lot of you don't know we've been friends for over 20 years, but Pastor Joel's been there for me in every high and every low. And thankful there's more highs than lows, <laughs> but how many know when you have a low, there's a good person you need to call, uh, somebody you have to connect to. So can we honor our pastors today and just give them a big hand of honor? Love you. So I asked Pastor Joel, I said, hey, what do you want me to preach about? What do you want me to hit on? And he goes, man, do whatever you want. Just preach. And I'm like, well, I grew up with preaching, so I can do that. And he goes, but I need you to tell a Grandpa Bagwell story. So happens to be my grandpa. My grandpa was six foot five, uh, six foot four, six foot five, 240 pound, uh, ex-Marine uh, who happened to get into ministry in around the 1950s. Uh, his church was interracial in a time that that was not popular. Uh, they, everyone sat together, and he was almost killed by the KKK uh, several times for standing up for his faith and his belief on equality and everything that he represented. But his church uh, in San Francisco was next door to a local bar. And how many know bars and churches sometimes don't blend very well together? <laughs> And a guy came in the church, uh, probably a little drunk, and he starts yelling in the middle of the lobby. He said, oh, the women in this church are nothing but a bunch of blank and blank. How many know that didn't go over too well? Ushers are swirling. They run back to my grandfather's office. They say, Brother Bagwell, Brother Bagwell, this guy's losing his mind. So my grandpa comes out and he hears this guy. And the guy says, oh women in this church are nothing but a bunch of blanks and blanks. My grandfather, being the reserved 240-pound Marine that he was, went up to the guy toe-to-toe and said, my wife attends this church. I beg you to recant your statement. The guy looks at him eye-to-eye five, six inches shorter than him, finger in this Marine's face, says, like I said, preacher, all the women in this church are nothing but a blank and blank. How many Texas blood pressures are going up right now? (laughs) My grandfather picks him up and slams him against a pillar. The guy starts yelling, his feet are dangling. He goes, oh, I got a lawsuit now, preacher. I got a lawsuit. My grandfather says, oh, I'm going to give you two options, buddy. Number one, I'm going to give you a lawsuit like you've never had in your entire life. And if you can remember to retell it to your lawyer, you can have your lawsuit. 
Or number two, you can go to the altar, apologize to all the women in this church, and give your life to Jesus. He said, I think I need to go to the altar and give my life to Jesus. <laughs> I mean, well, that's a Texan altar call right there. That's how we get it done around here. <laughs> He went to the altar call, apologized, gave his life to Jesus, sat through the service, and my grandfather never saw him again. So he probably felt my grandpa didn't really stick, nothing really happened. Well, 30 years later, <laughs> my grandfather's in an airport. He's about 85 years old. His hearing's really bad. A guy comes running to him, Brother Bagwell, Brother Bagwell. And, you know, my grandpa was gruff. He's like, what? Do you remember me? And looks him up and down. No, I don't remember you at all. He goes, well, a long time ago, there was a crazy drunk man in your lobby, and you slammed him up against the pillar and said either he can get a lawsuit or he can get saved. And I chose to get saved. Oh, yeah, now I remember you. You were a big jerk that day. <laughs> the guy says, what you don't know is I actually gave my life to Jesus Christ and I have gone around the world preaching a testimony about a crazy wild pastor in San Francisco that threatened to kick my butt or get saved and I chose to get saved. And I've been taking altar calls telling the crowds, you have two options. <laughs> Guy had a 3,000-member church somewhere actually out here in Texas. How many know God uses craziness Amen. to fulfill his glory? Amen. So I want to go to one of my favorite epistles, and I'll tell you why in just a second. But I want to go to 2 Timothy chapter 2. It's such a powerful epistle because it's the last epistle that Paul writes. And he writes it to his son, Timothy, his spiritual son, Timothy. Uh, at this point, they've known each other for about 15 years. And they've got a great relationship. But Timothy, if you kind of study uh, in detail, wasn't the strong, wild man that Paul was. He was a little bit more pastoral. Paul was like this apostle storming the gates of hell. Timothy had stomach issues. He had all sorts of different things. I, I kind of relate to Timothy more than Paul. Pastor Joel's Paul. I'm Timothy. Um, but Paul's in prison, and he realizes that he's about to be beheaded by Caesar Nero. And he's writing this passage to his son and wanting to get the most important critical information to Timothy that he can give him before he's beheaded. How many know if you were on your deathbed, the statements that you would make to your family or your children, how many of you would want us to have power and have something behind it? Well, Paul's in prison so he can't talk to Timothy, so he pins this epistle that now you and I have the luxury to read and that you and I have the luxury to receive because of the situation. And he says something very important. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, it says, Paul says this to Timothy, You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that I can be strong because of Jesus' grace. How many are thankful today that you are not saved by your works, but that you are saved by the grace of Jesus Christ? That's a good place to shout, clap, run around the building, whatever you want to do. It's a good place to celebrate right there. 
How many by uplifted hands said, I've done some stupid stuff in my past? <laughs> how many would say, I'm probably not making it to heaven with some of the stuff that I did here on earth. But how many are thankful that we have strength, not because of our might, not because of our gifting, not because of our power. We have strength because of the grace that we have in Jesus Christ. So here's Paul telling his protege, Timothy, to be strong. But we also see it in Joshua after Moses dies. <laughs> Joshua's whole book is, it, it's hilarious if you look at it through my lens because I laugh all the time. But the whole book starts with Moses, my servant, is dead. Like that's how your narrative starts. The greatest man of God that was in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the guy that split the Red Sea, the guy that had a rod and he could throw it on the ground and it would turn into a snake, the guy that could have such a tough, uh, powerful relationship with God could confront the Pharaoh and turn the Nile into blood, the guy that literally led millions of people out of slavery. I don't want to follow that guy. Listen, I like to follow people who are half a failure. You know what I mean? Like they just, they weren't quite that good. And that's funny if you think about it. Um, that way when you show up, uh, you look really good if you do anything that's better than the person you're following. That's funny. Let's settle for a minute. And here's Joshua. God's Moses, my servant's dead. Now, what does he say to him? Verse 6, be strong, Joshua. God to Joshua. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. In 1 Chronicles chapter 28, verse 20, we see the similar thing here. David giving his kingdom over to Solomon. David also said to Solomon, his son, be strong. Somebody in here on the count of three say, be strong. One, two, three. Be strong and courageous and do the work. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord God, my God, is with you. He will not fail you or forsake you until all the work for the service of the temple of the Lord is finished. Specifically here, when we look We'll get back to Timothy in a second, but we look at Joshua. Joshua had three areas that he had to be strong about. Number one, he had to go conquer land, conquer uh, the Hittites, conquer uh, the Phil all these different groups of people that God commanded him and said to Joshua, every place that you put your foot, I'll bless it, I'll give it to you, but you gotta have the guts to put your foot into something that might be uncomfortable. Can we talk for a little bit? Ladies and gentlemen, we have to have the boldness sometimes to put our foot into something that makes us a little uncomfortable, but God said, if you'll put your foot in it, I'll meet you in it and I'll bless you with it. But Joshua has an outer battle with these other armies, but yet the Israelites were famous for complaining and whining and, and back-talking and being all negative. Come on, sounds like your Thanksgiving when your relatives come over. So he had an inner war with his own people who were used to following Moses. Uh, yeah, no, this wasn't for first service, this is second bonus. When you become a true leader, and step into a new office and someone's used to following another person, 
Just be ready for it to be uncomfortable for a little bit. That's church, that's business, that's anything. When change, people do not like change. Some of you almost lost your mind because the logo changed at the church. Get over it, praise the Lord. It's beautiful, it's beautiful because I say so. Um, but change occurred. So he's got inner problems in his camp. And then all of us struggle with this is insecurities that we deal with. Because the reality is if you put your foot into it like Joshua, you're going into a place that's uncomfortable. And sometimes our biggest critic is ourself. But nevertheless, Joshua, God says, be strong and be courageous. Stronger than doubt. Stronger than guilt. Stronger than our self-doubt and our self-weaknesses. Joshua, do it. So Paul continues in verse 2. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Read it one more time. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Here's the thing. What's one of the first things we were taught in school? Be nice. Okay, yeah. Don't plagiarize, right? <laughs> like that, That's just from the beginning, don't plagiarize. And here in essence, Paul is looking at Timothy and he's saying, plagiarize. You read that too? Everything I've taught you, not only do you take it, but take it to other people who are teachers and they need to teach the same thing. Now, trust me, in church, I believe there's a place for a rhema word and for a revelation to come out from the Holy Spirit. Um, but the reality is, every time we come to preach, this scripture is holy it was ordained by the Holy Spirit. And as pastors, we are called to teach it. Amen. I, I always joke, Pastor Joel, I'm like, dude, if you quit teaching out of here, you and I are going to have to talk because this is the foundation. This is the pillar. And that's what Paul's saying. He's like, take this gospel to the next generation. You know what I'm excited about? I've preached more than I ever need to preach. I've been preaching for years and years and years. I'm excited to see my son rise up and preach. I'm excited to see my daughter rise up and preach. I'm excited for the next generation. Are you in here? We got to be excited for God to do something in the next generation that they can continue what Paul taught Timothy to teach others. It's powerful. As the NBA apostle Phil Jackson said, the strength of the team is each individual member. The strength of each member is the team. How many know you're on a good team here at Oaks Church? Um, I shared this last time, but it's worth repeating because I mean it with everything inside of me. Sarah and I were praying about our next move in ministry, and we've pastored a long time. We've been married 16 years. Can you believe that? 16 years. You can clap if you want. It was a lot of work. <laughs> Let me rephrase that. I'm wiser now. It was a lot of work for Sarah. It's been a joy for me the whole way, babe. <laughs> I told her, though, I said, hey, there's only two places that I would consider working at. 
for ministry. One, of course, is where we're at now, Oaks Church for Pastor Joel. The other one is in L.A. for Pastor Israel Campbell, which he's going to be here uh, sometime this year. I can't remember exactly when we got him on the calendar, but you're going to love him. He's such an amazing guy. He's been a mentor to me. And sure enough, uh, I prayed enough, and God did not curse me by sending me to L.A., but blessed me to be a Texan with (laughs) y'all. But I love Pastor Israel. Pastor Israel, if you're watching, you're called to L.A. Keep doing it, buddy. Why, why do you say all that, Pastor Adam? I wanted to be on a good team. I wanted to be in a place. This, we're, only, we're not even four years old, y'all. And this building is here, and youth ministry is taking place on Wednesday nights. Kids are being ministered to you. You're here. Just look around for a minute. This is your team. And I'm going to tell you, the team you're on will determine your future. The team you're on will determine your future. That's why small groups are so important. That's a team. That's why discussions and prayer that takes place in the lobby are so crucial. That's your team. That's why Wednesday night services at 6.30, yes, that's a plug for all of our teenagers, is so important. It's why we come together as the body of Christ. And Paul is speaking to Timothy. He's like, this is a team game. This is a team game. So he goes on verse 3. This is fun. This is what every pastor wants to ask of his congregation. Join with me in suffering. No one says amen after I read that. (laughs) Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. The hard-working farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. What's Paul saying here? Timothy, be a soldier. Don't get distracted. Timothy, be an athlete. Compete and follow the rules. Timothy, be a farmer, be hardworking. And Timothy is being challenged to be stronger then. Can we be honest here? I love our next generation with all our heart. But if we're being honest, we have a generation who's struggling with being distracted. We're dealing with a generation who won't compete and follow the rules. And we're dealing with a generation that doesn't work hard. Now, no younger people in here, but at other people's churches, this is what I'm hearing is taking place. (laughs) Joel and I are so passionate about youth. He's preaching on Wednesday nights. I'm preaching on Wednesday nights. They're powerful. And you know why? I believe that if we can get a generation who lives like Timothy was called to live, that they will change the world, that they will flip this world upside down and we'll see... Young person after young person save and say, God, it's not just enough for me to come to church with mom and dad, but how do I get my hands dirty? What missions are you calling me to? What outreach can I do? How can I lead people in my high school to Jesus Christ? I want to see teenagers all over this building serving, running cameras. It's not the old folks' church. Paul is saying, Timothy, I don't have much time left, and neither do you. We've got to push this word to the young people so that they can make an impact in their community. 
community and an impact in the places that they have a circle following. It's a generation that's been hurt, but I believe fully that God is going to heal it. It goes on in verse 7. Paul says, reflect on what I'm saying. For the Lord will give you insight into all this. Remember, Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descending from David. This is my gospel. For which I am suffering, even to the point of being chained like a criminal, but God's word is not chained. I want to speak to someone in here who needs to hear this. I don't know what you're walking through, what you're going through, what you're in the middle of, what you're coming out of, but God's word is not chained from your life. Some of you heard from God years ago. I want to tell you, hold on to those words. Hold on to the promises of God's scripture. Hold on to the yeses and the amens of your life. Because God's word is not chained. This Bible's full of promises, full of hope, full of peace that surpasses understanding. It's full of joy that's unspeakable and full of God's glory. Oh, I used to grow up in an old school church, and my dad would preach it every week. My God, you're the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. Greater is he that's in you that he's in there. I was JT's age on the edge of my seat. Like, man, I can't believe I serve that kind of God. I can't believe I serve a God that loves me so much. But he does. And for that, we're stronger than. Hold on to those words. They're not chained. I'm going to read one last verse. I preached a little shorter today because we want to pray with you and have time to do it for real. But verse 10 says this. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. We can never thank Christ enough for giving his life for the world. Amen? That we have an eternal place set for us in heaven that he has created. Revelations, it says no more tears, no more pain, no more sorrow. It's going to be a place where his glory rules. <laughs> Sounds kind of good, doesn't it? But today, what I felt in my heart is to remind you of a promise of Jesus who Paul is writing about. And that's found in Old Testament. And it says this, that by Jesus' stripes, we have healing. We unapologetically at Oaks Church believe that Jesus can heal you physically. If, God forbid, you're in a hospital room and I show up, Pastor Joel shows up, one of our leaders show up, 
know that we're not coming in fearful. We're not coming in worried. Our heart might break for you, depending on the situation or the person that we've taken care of. But we're coming in by faith that God can do the impossible. I want to tell you today that God still can do the impossible in your body. By his stripes, we're healed. Some of you need to be healed in your heart. You've had disappointments. You've had things that have discouraged you. Maybe you just went through a divorce. Maybe you lost a loved one and don't know how you're going to deal with that. I want to tell you that by, your, by his stripes, our hearts can be healed. By his stripes, we can be healed in our mind. There's a lot of people going through a lot of stuff, and statistically, there's probably, a, you're in here right now. And I want to tell you, first off, it's okay. Life's hard. People go through stuff. We're not always mentally where we want to be. But by his stripes, we can be healed. And so today, what we want to do, I want to pray for us corporately. But then I'm going to ask you to do a bold thing. Everyone in this room, and this is the second service, so if we have to stay here till 3 p.m., I'm down. Let's go. <laughs> I ate my Wheaties today. I'm ready to go. But we're going to have you stand, and we're going to have you come to the front. Myself, Pastor Joel, my wife, Sarah, People on our prayer team are going to be down here to pray for you. Man, I even brought my anointing oil from Israel, y'all. I'm not playing around today. We're going to get the job done today. But I believe this, that healing is in this room. And we're two or more gathered, touching and agreeing. God's presence is right here in the middle of it. How many would say, let's agree for our team our people, our friends, our church, that healing can take place. Amen? Amen. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we thank you for your presence. It's so thick in the house today. And God, we just ask you to do whatever you want to do. Holy Spirit, be free today. Lord, lead us. Let us decrease that you would increase inside of us. And I make a bold prayer, God. I pray that men and women, sons and daughters, that they walk out completely different than when they walked in. And God, we'll be careful to give you all the glory, all the credit, and all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. We pray this message has blessed your life. And if it has, we want to invite you to sow into what God is doing here at Oaks Church. It's as simple as going to oakschurch.com and clicking the Give button. On behalf of Oaks Church, thanks for listening and have a great week.